Well, good morning, Fox Valley Church. My name is Adam Vietmeyer. I'm one of the elders here. For those of you just joining us, this is our week two of our Made News series. I just want to start again by saying what a gift and pleasure it is to be here with you all. Again, I don't take this lightly. And it's such an encouragement to me that I don't do this alone, that I see these students here and people that have prayed for me and supported me. I'm not up here alone, and that means so much uh, to me. So thank you. Uh, I was thinking about you guys all week. I admit it. I was thinking about you guys all week and what God wanted to say this morning. We're going to give a little recap first of where we're headed. If you can see the slide behind me, it talks about last week, right? What does it mean to be a new creation? And we went into depth there. Today, we're going to talk about what do new creations do? Put off the old self. Next week, what do new creations do? Put on the new self. And then finally, what do new creations accomplish? But I want to pull up our verse our theme verse. It's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Is anyone here doing the Bible reading plan with the church? Some of us are doing this together. It is a three-year plan. Did anyone look at what today's chapter is? 2 Corinthians 5. Does anyone doubt that God is doing something here right now? This message is not by accident. This theme is not by accident. You are not here by accident. There is a purpose for each and every one of you here. He is doing something, and I aim to be a part of it, and I hope you do too. I hope you do too. A little recap of what we talked about last time. We talked about what it means to be a new creation. New creations, right? Who gets credit for the creation? The creator does, and he created us with a purpose, right? A purpose to glorify him. That's why we're made. It's the point of all things is to bring glory to God. Now, one of the neat things about doing this is I see sermons everywhere. Everywhere I go now, I see sermons. So last Sunday night, I'm with some brothers and sisters here. We're watching fireworks out at the Sears Center, and the fireworks are going off at about 9.30 at night, And I'm sitting there asking myself, why don't they put the fireworks off at 9.30 in the morning? Think about it. The firework is no different. The firework is the same. But it's us. It's the way we see things. When we see things in the dark, those fireworks show that much more glorious, right? There is a purpose for the darkness. God is writing a story for his glory, And his glory shines so much more brightly in the midst of the darkness. That's what he's doing. Now today, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, the old has gone. The old has gone. What's this old self? And that's what we're going to dive into. Turn with me, if you can, to Colossians 3. In Paul's letters, all throughout, you'll see that theme of old self, new self. Old self, new self, all throughout. I could have chosen any number of scriptures, but God led me to Colossians 3. We're going to read Colossians 3, 1 through 10. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Let me take a little bit of freedom there. Since then, you have been made new. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. 
Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Let's pray. God, we ask for your presence here this morning. God, that your spirit would be poured out. Give us ears to hear, hearts to hear, Lord. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, I like old things, and I admit, I realize I'm getting older. Does anyone realize that? I'm getting older, I start to realize it. I've said phrases like, we really needed the rain. Has a 21-year-old ever said, we really needed the rain? Anyone less than 20, right? I say it now. I find myself having conversations about pickleball. Pickleball's great, but let's not kid ourselves. It's for old people, okay? Right? Hair is growing in places it shouldn't, right? I can't grow hair on the top of my head, but every once in a while I find an ear hair now. Why? I don't know, right? And I can't watch Toy Story 2 or Inside Out without crying, right? Uh, I'm getting older. And I admit, I like old things. I like 80s movies. I like Tom Atchison, right? (laughs) I like old things. But old things aren't always good. They aren't always good. And today we're going to look at something old that wasn't. Something old that wasn't. Who is this old self? Who is this old self? Remember last week, we were talking about God chose us. He chose us and saved us. But what did he save us from? What were we? Colossians 1, 13 and 14 is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The dominion of darkness. The dominion of darkness was not some group of people that was seeking you and trying to find you and God rescued you from them. You were in the dominion of darkness. You were part of it. Now, when I say those words, dominion of darkness, it's easy to think about people in black robes and people burning stuff. It's not the case. There are plenty of sweet old women in the dominion of darkness. Dominion of darkness simply means separated from God. There's no in-between. You are either new, a new creation in Christ, or you are an old creation separated from him. That's it. There are two places to be. And we were once in the dominion of darkness. But he hasn't just rescued us from that. Ephesians 2, if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Ephesians 2 is easily in my top five chapters in the Bible. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Dead. A lot of people like to describe the gospel like this. They say that you're swimming across a body of water and you're struggling. You're fighting to get across. And Jesus comes by in a boat and he reaches down and grabs you and pulls you up into the boat and takes you to the other side and rescues you. I'm here to tell you this morning that is not the gospel. That is not the gospel. The gospel is you dead on the bottom of the ocean for two plus years rotting and decaying. 
and Jesus diving down to the bottom of the water, picking up your lifeless body, bringing you to the surface, and bringing you back to life. That's the gospel. You heard the psalm we sang earlier. He has brought us back to life. That's the gospel. He saved you from spiritual deadness. That's what depravity is. There was nothing in you that inclined you toward him, and he saved you from it. But he saved you from something else. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 3. All of us now lived among them at one time, gratifying the desires of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. That's the dominion of darkness. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Objects of wrath. Whose wrath? God's. God's wrath. It's one of the great mysteries of the gospel, right? The gospel is God saving you from God. That's what the gospel is. God's wrath was coming for you. Look at Colossians 3.6, our verses from earlier today. Colossians 3.6, all those sinful ways of living, right? And then it says, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Don't make a mistake, Christian. God is not just glorified in his love and in his mercy and in his grace being bestowed upon us. He is also glorified in his wrath and his justice being poured out. And his wrath is terrifying and it is awesome. That's the God we serve. He is full of love and he is full of wrath. He does not sweep sin under the rug. All sin will be punished, all of it. It either will go on the shoulders of Jesus Christ for us or it will go on to sinners forever in eternity. We serve a just God. Now, you got to get to the good part of the story. Ephesians 2, verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. But God has been called the greatest short phrase in the history of human speech. I tend to think of it as the two most important words ever spoken. Because without the words, but God, it's all lost. All of it. If God didn't step into our story, we're done forever in eternity. And that's why I feel like maybe I need to take a time out. Let me take a time out for a second here. Do you realize I'm not up here and we're not here together this morning playing make-believe? This is not a crutch to help us get through life. As Pastor Tom says, this is not a moral improvement program. This isn't what we're doing here. 2,000 years ago, there was a Jewish carpenter and they nailed him to a cross because he claimed to be God. Now, he either was or he wasn't. If he wasn't, then we're fools. What are we doing here? This is pointless. We should all go home and watch Netflix. But if he was, it means everything. Everything. And you have to understand this. He didn't come to die on a cross to be one option among many. Jesus is not an option on the multiple choice test. Jesus is the test. 
He is the one that will judge us in the end. And you want him on your side. You don't want to be against him. He didn't come to be one option among many. He's the option. God made a way and it's him. And he also didn't come and die on a cross so you can save yourself. If you're standing before God at the end of your days and you want to tell him, hey, my good outweighs my bad, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Do you understand that you have a God-sized debt? You have a God-sized debt. Now, I'm not an accountant, but what would equal out a God-sized debt? Only a God-sized payment. If you're trying to pay it on your own, you will not get there. You need a God-sized payment, but I have good news for you. I know someone. (laughs) I know someone, right? I know someone who made that payment, and he's here. He's here in the Word. Jesus made a way, but God. But God stepped into our situation and gave you a path to life. And it's here this morning for you, if you'll accept it. And here's the other thing I have to say. The gift is free, but there is a cost. Now, here's why. The gift is free. You can't earn this. It's him saving you, but it will cost you your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? He didn't save you, so you think about him every once in a while on Christmas and Easter. He's worth more than that. He didn't save you for that. He saved you for something much more than that. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. He wants your life. Give your life to him and be saved, but it will cost you your life. But it's the best life you can live. It's a life of freedom. Freedom in Christ with hope for the future. That's what he's called you to. That's the gospel. All right, let me rein this in. As believers, we need to know this. So those of us who have been made new need to accept this as well because we need to remind ourselves of those things. And this is where I have an issue with some people that say, oh, I wish I had a better conversion story. You do have an amazing conversion story. This is your story. You were in the dominion of darkness. You were separated and spiritually dead. God's wrath was coming for you and he saved you. He saved you out of it. Now, for those of us that have been made new, we need to understand that all of this has been accomplished. It's all done. When we talk about this old self and putting off the old self, we need to know that it is done and accomplished. Think about what it says. The old has gone, right? Galatians 2.20, what we just talked about. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. It's accomplished and over. But all these verses talk about putting off the old self and fighting sin. Why? And I bring you to one of the great mysteries of the Bible. The mystery of the already but not yet. The already but not yet. All throughout the Bible, God talks about this. In Romans, it says that we've been adopted in Christ. Later in Romans, not yet adopted. In Ephesians, you've been redeemed. Later in Ephesians, not yet redeemed. Jesus himself, Luke 17, the kingdom has come. Luke 22, it has yet to come. Even from our verses this morning, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3, 3, it's done. But look at two verses later. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. They're not contradicting each other. Professor George Ladd puts it like this. He says it's fulfillment without consummation. 
Does anyone like Superman? I love Superman. There used to be an old TV show called Smallville. Smallville was such a cool show because it was Superman when he was in high school. So it's Superman in high school, and it was so cool because he was discovering his powers. Do you see it? He's Superman. It's all in him. He just has to live it out. Paul talks about this in Philippians 3.16. He says, live up to what you have already attained. Here is your reality. Now live out your reality. That's the already and not yet. So the old self is dead. Now go kill it. That's essentially what Paul is saying. So even though we've, all this is done, we still have to work at it. That's what sanctification is. Sanctification, a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and like Jesus in our actual lives. You see, so many of the works of God have already accomplished. They're done for us. Justification and adoption, glorification, things that he does. Sanctification is a neat opportunity for us to participate. We get to be in it with him. Now, make no mistake, it is him working through us and in us and doing it, but we get to be active in it. And there's two ways to do it. Actively, we saw that already in Colossians 3.5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. But then also passively, Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. They work hand in hand. Here's my challenge to you guys this morning. Don't get lost on either side. I have met people, young men, that have said, I've got this. I've got 15 accountability partners. I got 15 software protections on my computer. And when I go to the beach, I wear a blindfold. Right? You'll lose. You'll lose if you're going to do it all in your flesh. But also don't get lost on the other side. Oh, I'm going to let go and let God. Yes, I have an eating problem, but I'm going to continue to do my quiet times at Old Country Buffet. No, don't be an idiot, right? Fight sin, right? Get active in it. God is going to help you, but make wise decisions. Put roadblocks in place. Now, why does he do it this way? Why does God do it like this? You realize he has the power to do it differently, right? He could have saved us and made us new and made us sinless. How awesome would that have been, right? <laughs> How awesome. And you know what? Some people struggle with this a little bit because it will be that way in heaven. You realize we will not sin in heaven. And some people think like, wait, do we become robots? You don't. And actually, I think I got time for a quick analogy. This is my analogy about how this is going to work in heaven. Imagine you're starving. And I mean you're starving. You haven't eaten for a week or more. And you're weak. And you stumble out into your kitchen. And there is your favorite food maybe your favorite dessert, and it is prepared in the best way possible. Now go take a bite. Now here's my challenge to you. Don't enjoy it. Don't enjoy it. You look at me and say, what are you talking about, Adam? That's impossible. How could I not enjoy it? It's my favorite food and I'm starving. How could I not enjoy it? Exactly. Try standing face-to-face -face with the God of all things, with his glory completely unleashed, with his glory completely uninhibited, pouring out over you. Now don't enjoy it. That's my challenge. You can't not enjoy it. Stand in his presence and try to choose selfishness. Try being fully satisfied with the God of all things and now choose lust or choose pride. You won't be able to do it. That's heaven.
We will not sin because he will be radiating all around us and his glory will be there and we'll be a part of it and with him forever. How awesome is that? But he hasn't done it that way yet. Why? What did we talk about last week? He does all things for his glory. All of it. Your weaknesses, your weaknesses are one of the clearest opportunities for you to give glory to God. He wants you to fight. There's a reason he doesn't sanctify us perfectly right now. He wants you to fight because he is glorified. He is glorified when you turn to him. Gentlemen, if you struggle with attractive women, when one walks by, it's not an opportunity to beat yourself up because your old self is rearing its ugly head. It's an opportunity to choose something different and bring him glory and set your mind in the right place. Ladies, some of you may struggle with social media. You may find yourself with another evening where you can waste time in coveting, in laziness, in discontentment or whatever it is that may turn you in that and you can choose something different that evening, right? And bring him glory. Your weaknesses are one of the clearest ways that you can bring glory to God. Choose him. That's what sanctification is. He says it like this in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. New creations know they have to put off the old self, and new creations want to put off the old self. I'll say that again. New creations want to put off the old self. If you don't want to put off the old self, be afraid. Be afraid. I am not here to make you feel warm and fuzzy. Part of being a Christian is being convicted by sin in your life. If you are sleeping with whoever you want, if you are watching and consuming whatever you want, and you have no conviction in you, be afraid. The Holy Spirit convicts. Now, he doesn't want you living in condemnation. Romans 8, 1 is true. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But some, he wants some guilt there. He doesn't want you to wallow in it, but he wants something there, right? Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts us. God disciplines those he loves. There should be a conviction in your heart. Okay, how do we do this? How do we put off the old self? I could give you all sorts of specific practical ideas, but there's so many different types of sin that we struggle with, right? So I thought it was better to come at you with a mindset. Do you know how you put off the old self? You do it with murderous intent. Murderous intent. Colossians 3, 5 says, put to death whatever is of the earthly nature. Romans 8, 13 says, by the Spirit put to death the misdeeds of the body. Kill it. Kill it. John Owen says, kill sin or it will be killing you. Kill sin or it will be killing you. And I'm not talking about involuntary manslaughter. Involuntary manslaughter is you killing someone by accident. I'm talking about first-degree murder. First-degree murder is intentional murder that is willful and premeditated with malice and forethought. Plan your murder. And do you know who your victim is? It's you. It's you. You are the victim. 
because you know your sin better than anyone else does. You know what sins you're prone to. You know what parts of your old self pull you back. Get real with yourself. Be real about your sin and what it is. Now let me be really careful here. I realize that I am using very strong language. What does Satan do? Satan likes to take the good things that God does, right, and he distorts them. He changes. Hating your sin is a good thing. Hating your soul is not. Hate your sin. Don't hate your soul. If you have feelings of self-harm, those are not from the Lord. God loves you. He loved you enough to send his son for you. Don't cut yourself. If you're having suicidal thoughts, those are not from the Lord. Some of us in this room have been touched by suicide. If you're having suicidal thoughts, don't feel shame. Many of us have had them before. I've had them before. Talk to someone. There are brothers and sisters in this room that are here for you. But you got to be real with your sin. Beware the devil's spin. You know yourself. You have to plan your murder. And here's the other thing I have to say. God didn't call us to fight this alone. Look around. Look, I'm serious. Look at each other. Look at each other. There are brothers and sisters here. You are not to fight this alone. God didn't put us in here together, so we're all fighting these isolated battles. There are brothers and sisters here who are for you who are here to support you. I still remember the first time I told someone I struggled with sexual sin. This was more than 20 years ago. Was it embarrassing? Yes. Yes, that was embarrassing. Did it help break the back of sin and a hold it had on me and set me on a trajectory where I can do things like this and where I can live differently? Yes. Yes, it did. Get real with your sin. Come to the altar. Confess your sin. I have two challenges for you as I wrap up. Here's the first. It's that right there, what I just said. Some people wonder, like, how can I have an opportunity, right, to become real about my sin or to take my next step? Do you realize what God could accomplish through us if we were a body who put off the old self, who fought in such a way where it's the sin and we're attacking it and killing it together as a body? Do you know what he could do in here? What he could accomplish in that? You have an opportunity this morning. Now, I'm not asking you to get up front here and bear your deepest, darkest secrets, but there are people down here that will pray with you. I will be down here. We're not here to judge you. We're here to pray with you and help you kill this thing called the old self so we can live differently and be made new. And here's the second challenge. Don't forget what I talked about earlier. Some of you in here have not been made new. Some of you in here think Jesus is a nice thing, but you think you keep him off to the side. This is your opportunity. This morning, you could be made new right now. You can realize that, wait, I'm a sinner, and I got a God-sized debt, and the only one that can help me meet that is him, is Jesus, and you can choose it this morning. I pray that you will. Let's pray. Father, 
pour your spirit out in this place right now. God, you know how each of us is hearing your message. You know the hearts that are being touched, and I pray for boldness right now. Boldness for those that need to come forward and talk to someone. Boldness for those that need to just tell a friend. Boldness for those that need to make a choice to follow you. God, give us courage. Give us courage. Make us new. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.